Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the James Kennedy Podcast. How are you guys doing? I hope everything's been good since the last time we spoke. I know it's been a while. Not much to report this end, unfortunately. As I said last time, I'm just basically plowing on with the new book. Um, and that's my life, basically. Just still sitting here writing a book. And writing a book is pretty fucking boring. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Nothing rock and roll happening in my life at the moment. But the book is nearly finished. I'm on the downhill stretch. Uh, the deadline is literally two months away from now. So I think I'm going to be okay in reaching it, despite like losing six months uh, of writing time to um, to illness early this year. So I'm pretty proud that I've managed to turn it around. And I'm pretty proud of how it's turned out, actually. It's, it's shaping up to be a pretty well-rounded and... Um, broad-ranging book. I mean, I didn't know that I had much left to say on the subject of music after my last book, which didn't come out that long ago. But it seems I've still got quite a lot of ranting in the tank and um, I've managed to pull it off somehow. I mean, this has been a rough ride with this one. The last book was written in two months, which I know is mental for any kind of book. But between starting this one and where I'm at now with it, you know, loads has happened, man. And obviously my father got ill and passed away. And then there was like the police incident. And I had this weird illness, PTSD slash long COVID, whatever the fuck it was, you know, for the past six, for the first six months of this year. So I'm essentially a different person now than I was when I first started writing the thing, which is just a weird space to be. And loads has changed in the world as well in that time. I mean, a global pandemic, Brexit... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a couple of recessions and wars. It's been a bizarre few years, man. But it's looking as if I'm finally getting there. Now that I can see the book in its entirety, I'm really proud of how it's turned out. I think it's going to be a valid contribution to the genre. And I can't wait until it's just in the hands of the publishers and we can just get excited about you know promoting it and getting it out to you guys so you can uh, get your hands on it. And I'm excited to kind of get my life back and start 2024 with some semblance of normality so that I can focus exclusively again on rock and roll and getting this podcast back on track. Because I miss this, man. I love these conversations every week that I get to have with like super interesting people and I get to explore subjects I don't know a lot about and get to share that conversation with you awesome listeners. So yeah, it'd be nice to um, start again with a little bit of normality next year. That, that's my goal. Basically, lots of new music, lots of new shows with a band and lots of new podcasts. And I hope that's good news to some of you guys. And if you'd like to stay up to date with all the good stuff that's coming soon, please join my social media pages at James Kennedy UK. There's also the website at jameskennedystuff.com, which has got links to our secret society group and the mailing list and loads of content and all sorts of cool stuff on there. If you are a listener of the podcast and you don't want to miss any of the super awesome episodes that are going to be coming up really soon, then please do subscribe to and follow the podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Castbox, Google, whatever. Give a brother a follow and if you want to give me a share or a like or a comment or a review or something like that that would really really help me out as well so thank you in advance now i think that's more than long enough for a preamble about myself don't you today we are going to be focusing on a subject that i've been interested in for a while now being as i am a born and bred welshman and being as i am sick and fucking tired of living under the rule of a government that i hate and didn't vote for i figured it'd be about time to jump feet first into the subject of welsh independence And you know me, I don't mess around. So if we're going to discuss the subject, we're going straight to the top. And who better to give us the lowdown on the subject of Welsh independence but the main man himself, the CEO, the top dog of Yes Cymru, the campaign for Welsh independence, Mr. Gwern Gwynville. Gwern, thank you so much for doing this, man. I really appreciate you taking time out to speak with us. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, How are you? Thank you for having me. 
Not at all, man. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, bro. And I really appreciate you coming on because this is a fascinating subject that I've been interested in for a while now. Um, so I'm really looking forward to getting into it with you today. But for the purpose of the conversation today, I'm going to pretend I know nothing. And hopefully, you know, we can explore the issue from that perspective, because there are a lot of international listeners on this podcast who won't know anything about um, the situation here in the UK. And also people within, you know, the UK itself, including Wales, who don't know enough about, you know, what some of the very valid reasons for the case of Welsh independence might be. So if you're cool to just jump right into it, I mean, it would be great to start with the general overview for what is the case for Welsh independence. Okay, well, let's start with you. You, you ref, referenced some international listeners there, and for international listeners, it's particularly interesting and fascinating because they just cannot understand, they cannot get their heads around why Wales isn't independent. They they see Wales on the world stage as a sporting nation, playing football in the World Cup, you know, doing incredibly well in the Rugby World Cup. Now, I think on a on a population basis, Wales is is one of the top three most successful sporting nations in the world. So why are we not independent? A couple of weekends ago, we played football against Latvia, 1.8 million people, independent nation. We played rugby against Fiji, 1 million people, independent nation. And, and I have two friends in particular who, who always um, bang on about this. One, one guy from Iceland, uh, Helgi, who I made friends with because I pointed out to him that Helgi means hunting hound in Welsh. And basically, we've been friends ever since. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so there's Helgen and, and then there's a journalist from Estonia. And both of them, they, they can't understand why all of Wales doesn't want to be independent. And, and what they say is, well, look, all the other small independent nations in Europe, there's, there's loads of them. There's Slovenia, there's Estonia, there's us, you know, there's, there's Iceland, um, there's Croatia, there's you know, loads, absolutely loads. I mean, since, since the sec- end of the Second World War, there's close to 100 new independent nations in the world. I think there was about 99 at the end in 1945, and I think we're up to 196 nations in the world now, sovereign nations. So why isn't Wales the independent? It's only for us here who have grown up within a system, have the mindset of being part of this system, where essentially we're allowing a much bigger nation next door to tell us how we can behave, what we can do, and what we should do in the future. And they take all the things that we produce and they give us back some crumbs. And that's roughly where we are. But it, it's very hard for us to see that in Wales. Very easy to see it when you're standing outside. You know, and anybody who goes on holiday and talks to people in any of these small nations, they will very quickly see that, you know, that people cannot understand why we're not independent. So, so, so that's where we are in terms of the international context. Obviously, it's a lot more complicated for us. Yeah, in, in Wales itself. Uh, and obviously, we have an awful lot of lies to deal with. I saw the um, that, that plank from Dallin Rob Roberts the other day, you know, trying to put the case straight, saying that devolution is a failed experiment and it should be abolished. And we should just basically let ourselves be run from Westminster and London entirely. And peddling out some lies, you know, he did that usual, or oh, Wales is subsidized by 20 billion or 18 billion from London. Um, which is the, obviously the entire budget of the sin, eh? as though Wales doesn't actually give anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, taking things. And, and it's a total misrepresentation. I mean, we could easily, I mean, I don't like the misuse of statistics. But if I did, I could say, well, look, we generate indirect taxation for the Exchequer 30 billion. So we give London 30 billion and they give us 20 billion back. Well, that's not fair. 
it doesn't work like that. It's much more complicated than that. But that's the sort of that's the kind of level of debate that we have to deal with, isn't it? Yeah, unfortunately so. And you know, well put, man. I mean, what then is wrong with the current system that we have? Ah, uh, okay. Good question. So Wales has been part of the United Kingdom for about fifty years. And that's kind of okay if everybody's getting richer, isn't it? You know, a rising tide raises all boats. Uh, and as long as you're getting richer, you're sort of, oh, yeah, Mark Drakeford says, you know, there's a there's an insurance policy and there's a social union. You know, Mark Drakeford is very much into the social union, not so much the economic one, but the social union. Um, and we are getting slightly wealthier, even though we're much poorer than everybody else. We are still getting slightly, slightly wealthier. But if you take the financial center of London out of the UK economy, Poland are now wealthier. And not only that, inflation is higher than anywhere else in the UK. So we're feeling inflation more keenly. And wage growth in Wales is lower than else in the UK. So we are getting poorer faster than everybody else who is also getting poorer across the UK. So the UK just isn't working. It's not working for anybody. But it's particularly not working for Wales. And, and anybody who tells me that Wales cannot do better themselves is frankly talking out of their ass, Because what they're doing is looking at the current system that's been imposed on Wales and saying, look, the current system is broken. And some argue we have to fix it first before we leave. But you can't fix it because it's not your system. It's next door's system. Like letting the farmer next door tell you how to run your fields. You're doing it for them. You're not doing it for yourself. Or the shop next door telling you how to price your goods. It's their idea, not yours. But when we step away, like the international people do, and look at what Wales has and what the basics are in Wales, we have fantastic basics. Good infrastructure. I know it's not great north-south, but it's still great. We've got great infrastructure. 22,000 miles worth of road. You know, we do have railways which are improving. They're not as good as they would be if we were an independent nation. You know there'd be a north-south railway connection if we were an independent nation. It just never would have gone away. So we've got infrastructure. We have amazing education infrastructure. Some of the best universities in Europe. We have great teachers. We, you know, you know, we've got all of that. We've got a, a well-educated workforce. We've got a skilled workforce. We have one of the biggest, best natural deep harbors in the world. We are absolutely key, key as a key point in the energy infrastructure, not just of for England, but of Europe. We've got vast, vast mileage of coastline, which is beautiful and stunning. We've got mountains, which are also stunning. You know, we've got all of this. All that seabed, which is going to be hugely important when it comes to green energy and the green energy revolution. And yet people are saying to us, oh, you can't do it, guys. You haven't got what it takes. And my answer to them is that, bollocks. It's on you. Of course we can. Let us go. We'll do it. Love that answer, man. Love it. Love it. I'm getting fired up already. So what's the um, what's the, the public feeling for this on the streets in Wales then at the moment? Ah, uh, okay, that's a really interesting question. You're gonna you might you might get me a little bit if I get too lost in data here, you might want to rein me in. Go for it. Because I'm a total data nerd, right? <laughs> I'm a total data geek and a total data nerd. <clears throat> so there's a couple of really interesting things to look at. 2014, Scotland were having their first independence referendum. Just before that referendum, there was one poll in Wales. What do you feel about Welsh independence? And fewer than 10%, less than 10% were in favour of independence at the time. So that's nine years ago. Uh, And then since then, there was still not much polling, maybe one a year, Wales up to about 2018. 
And suddenly from 2018, we've got loads and loads of polling data. You know, there, there, there's, these days you're getting a, a, poll, a poll a month almost for Wales, which is asking the question. Uh, so you've now got trend lines. So from that sort of fixed point of less than 10%, just before 24, just before the Scottish referendum, you've got a steady increase. And the most recent poll by Redfield and Wilton Strategies put us on 38% in favour of um, independence in Wales. In nine years, you know, you've gone from less than 10 to 38%. Um, my Scottish colleagues in the Scottish Yes campaign are incredibly jealous because we've not had a referendum campaign. We've not had any of this. We've basically not really tried. But Wales have started to wake up and go, wait a minute, this just isn't working for us. We can do better than this. And have started changing their own minds. And within that data, there are two interesting things about that data. One is the trend line. So if you follow the trend line of the data, nine years from now, in 2032, 60% of Wales is in favour of independence. I think we can get there faster because these things accumulate, don't they? And everybody, you know, once somebody changes their mind, they start to talk to other people. And the arguments in favour of independence are so much stronger than the arguments in favour of the union. So you can get a snowball effect and a tipping point. You know, I genuinely believe that if we had more resources in my organisation, then yes, Cymru, if we had more resources within a year or two, maybe three years, we could have a majority in favour of independence just by having the ability to get the message out there in ways that we can't at the moment. So the other things about this, the, the data sets are um, young people, if you're under 34, more than half, basically, of under 34s in Wales are now in favour of independence. So demography is on our side. You know, there's an odd, there's an odd bit, there's one odd bit in some of the data. It would suggest that the generation between 44 and 54, my generation, clearly the arsehole generation. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say it. In favor of independence at the moment. But that could just be that when you're in our generation at the moment, at our age, you, you've got so much going on. You know, the challenges of the cost of living crisis, kids to feed. You know, you're, you're busy, you're working really hard. So maybe there's just not enough space to think about the arguments for and against independence. Right. And it's a question, again, for us to make that conversation happen and bring them across. So, so that's where the data puts us in terms of where we are in independence. And then um, another interesting data set, which has just come out quite recently, is attitudes towards the union across the UK. This is a massive piece of research over 10 years uh, by our very own Professor Richard Wynne here in Cardiff and Professor Ailes Anderson up in Scotland, doing it for the IPPC. So to to totally objective, doing all, all four nations. most fascinating thing about that is nowhere, nowhere in the UK, majority support for the union anymore. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's mind-blowing, isn't it? Not even in England. I would have thought they'd be all over it. Nope, nope. And, 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 you know, England are particularly not bothered about Northern Ireland leaving or, you know, you know when, they, when they think about it in isolation. Um, and why would they be? I mean, we forget this. You know, the Scottish independence argument forgets it. We forget it. When Wales becomes independent, because we will, remember that we're changing the international landscape, becoming a new nation on an international scene. That's a, that's a global change. And whilst the ripples from Wales becoming independent won't be massive, they will be there. They will filter out. And that is actually going to be a fantastic thing for England as well. And I think that's part of the argument that we need to make. You know, this isn't just Welsh independence and Scottish independence. This is also English independence. And if ever there was a country of 55 million in need of renewal, 
then it's England today. I mean, you know, everything is frankly a bit of a shit show. And, and they have, you know, they have no innovative thinking. Their politicians on both sides of the debate are not presenting anything new or fresh to them. You know, this would be good for England too. And I think that's an important key part of the debate. It's not just about Wales. It's not just about Scotland. It is about all the nations of what is now the British Isles. And the British Isles will still be here, just have different relationships, better relationships with each other. And relationships which will be more reflective of our individual and unique cultures. And that diversity will actually strengthen what is now the United Kingdom as a new British Isles, a new group of nations who are all next door to each other working together. A bit more like the Scandinavian countries and less like the sort of distant memory of what the British Empire was in the 19th and 20th centuries. Yeah, I like the sound of that, man. I mean, in playing devil's advocate then, would there be a case that could be made, though, for being part of a bigger union on the world stage? Would that give us more security and more power? Would we be better off improving what we've got and making the current union that we're a part of better and more equal for all of its members? Would that be a better route to take? Is that even possible at this point? And is there a case that could be made for that? So I try very hard to think like a unionist and making the unionist case. It's actually incredibly difficult to make a strong case for the union, even even on that basis, because, you, you know, the UK today have that space, that place on the global stage. You know, it is not a huge and influential power. You know, it, it is a small power. You know, the geopolitics has changed. Um, centers of influence have changed. We're looking at the USA and China now, really, the global powers. Other nations, small nations need to come together if they want to have an influence, and they, and they have to do that. And the United Kingdom is a bit player at best at that stage at the moment, and, and has, in fact, you know, as the United Kingdom over the last 10 years, has made itself even more irrelevant on that stage by, frankly, behaving in often crazy ways. Um, so I, it, it's a very difficult argument to make. And the other problem with that argument is, it, it, this is Mark Drakeford's argument, isn't it? He, he argues for... Um, the equality of the nations within the union, you know, that we're, that, that we're a union of equals, but we're not. And we never can be because there's 55 million people in England, 55 million people who are not interested in federalism or confederalism. The, the IPPC research makes that very clear. They don't want to break up England. They like England as a whole unit, which means that if you have any kind of federal or confederal system, it won't work because there's 55 million people so, and that is a graphic example of that happening at the moment. Wales is going from 40 MPs to 32 MPs. So we will have even less influence Parliament in Westminster. You know, even if all 32 of those MPs voted in together against something, you know, it's not even, it's not even a vague echo in the background. No one's going to take any notice. And it's why Keir Starmer is playing entirely to what is called Middle England with his, you know, appeal for votes. It's why the priorities that are set by Westminster are never Welsh priorities, ever. It's why they're not bothered about things like the Crown Estates. You know, they're happy to take all the income from the Crown Estates because they don't have to give Wales anything because Wales has no influence. Wales has no power. You know, they can ignore Wales, and they do. You know, and occasionally they'll throw us some crumbs from the table. They expect us to contribute to the baking of the cake, and we're meant to be happy with this. And unfortunately, too often, we have been happy with this. 
But that has to stop because we can be so much more in Wales. To go back to the things I said about the basic building blocks we have in Wales of a successful, vibrant, independent nation in the 21st century, particularly with all the digital technological innovation that there is now. I mean, we can really be so much more we're being than we're allowed to be. All, all there is for us in the Union, we, we, you know, we lose far more than we gain. On that balance, you know, on, on, that, on those scales, we, we, just, we just lose an awful lot more. Yeah, great point. Well made, man. Um, what about Europe then? You know, could an independent Wales rekindle some kind of relationship with Europe? Would that be a, a possibility even or, or a benefit to an independent Wales? Well, um, I, I, this is an interesting conversation, isn't it? I mean, that's a decision for um, the people of the democracy once, once it's an independent nation. But I, there's this assumption, and scholars make this assumption amongst the pro-European lobby in particular, that Europe will want you. Everything that's happened with the UK as a whole, you're a constituent part of the UK as a whole, and all that, you know, the, the Brexit shit show and the, the toxic discussions that they had and the still toxic relationship at many levels between Europe, the European Union, and the UK today, you know, why would, why would the European Union say, oh, yeah, guys, come on, come on, come join us? I, I think if we did want to join, we would have some supporters. Ireland, I think, be in a United Ireland soon. Um, that's inevitable because it's baked into the Good Friday Agreement. You, you know, I think Ireland would definitely be very supportive if the people of Wales wanted to be part of Europe, partly because for Ireland, uh, a closer relationship with an independent Wales would be hugely beneficial. Um, not only, not, you know, they're another nation that will be producing far more energy than they use, for example. And the only way for them to get that from Ireland to the mainland, to the continent, is basically through Wales and then through England. So they really need a good relationship with Wales for that energy export uh, and, and lots of other things. I mean, they're our, they're our nearest neighbours, aren't they? You know, they're right next door. So all, all, of, all of that is true. Um, <clears throat> from, from our perspective, we don't actually take a position on the European Union because it's putting the cart before the horse, isn't it? You know, we've got to be an independent nation first. Absolutely have to be. And then we can start having grown-up discussions about all of those things. Of course, yeah, because Yes Cymru is not a political campaign. It is purely a campaign for Welsh independence. You're going to leave the politics up to the Welsh people to decide who they want to vote for and elect in their in independent government after the fact. So that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously in that independent Wales, there will be politicians from every part of the political spectrum. You know, we will have right-wingers, left-wingers, centrists, you know, liberals, conservatives, socialists, they'll all be there just as they are now. And they'll all be needing to make their case how that independent nation is going to be run. I've, I've recently been doing an awful lot of work on, on Slovenia. Slovenia has um, 2.1 million people. And the reason I decided to do quite a lot of analysis on Slovenia was because back in 1991, when they became independent, on the, on the GDP measure, which isn't a great measure, but it's at least it's uniform across nations. On the GDP per head measure, they were poorer than Wales. But just before the pandemic, Slovenia overtook Wales, and Slovenia became wealthier than Wales and remain wealthier than Wales. And more than that, the, um, the wealth gap, even though it's just a normal modern Western democracy, 
is narrower than anywhere else in Europe, pretty much. You know, they have a more equal society than pretty much anywhere else in Europe. And their quality of life, their scores on the quality of life metrics are off the charts relative to Wales. <clears throat> you know, this is a happy, vibrant, small, independent nation with, frankly, far less to offer than Wales in terms of natural resources, in terms of where it's its starting point in 1991. And what's in, what's been interesting, and one of the why, why I brought it up now, what's been interesting about the analysis is the range of political governance it's had. So it's basically been left of centre, it's been centrist, it's been right of centre, it's gone back and forth. You know, they've had a few political scandals, they've had a little bit of a corruption scandal at one point. You know, all, all things that are, you know, the meat and drink of politics in the modern world, it would seem. Um, and yet, despite all of that, relatively consistent, sensible economic policy, you know, you know they've worked hard to grow their, their nation and their sense of identity, and they've worked hard to do what is best for their population. So they put their own priorities and their own population first, always. And people know that, and it pays dividends, and you, you develop confidence, and then ambition comes from that, and the ambition and the confidence becomes a virtuous circle. Virtuous circle, good name for a band, man. <laughs> well, that's incredible, man, that there's like a modern example kind of on our doorstep in Slovenia of a country of comparable size, of um, comparable demographics and population figures who've walked this path before us with all of the proven benefits that you're talking about for Wales. So we've got an example that we can look to of a country right there that's doing it now with a similar size and a similar population that's actually doing it. So that's amazing. But in terms of getting there then, given where we're starting from, what would the process be like in, in actually making this happen? I mean, would it be a bureaucratic nightmare? Are we talking about decades before this is possible? Or is this something that could, in theory, be turned around relatively quickly? I mean, what would, what would the process be? So there's a, a quite a famous political quotation, which I, which I love and I live by, which is that um, you cannot govern without the consent of the governed. So I think once you have a majority, then that forces the issue in the way that it's forcing the issue in Scotland. But in terms of the mechanics, what I would like to see, England, Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland and Ireland, because Ireland, Northern Ireland isn't independence as such, it's reunification with the rest of the island of Ireland, all sitting down and creating this unwinding in as sensible a way as possible, because that gives the best outcome for all of the nations. And that, that creates a, a new situation, almost a British Union from the starting point, doesn't it? Where you've got a healthy relationship and where everybody understands that the better that is, the better it will be for everybody. So you're setting out with the objective of making sure that your nearest neighbours come out of it as strongly as possible, stronger than now if possible, so that everybody then gets to move forward with a spring in their step and knowing starting with good, strong relationships with all the nations around them. And I don't think that, I mean, it sounds, it sounds idealistic. It might be idealistic, but it's incredibly sensible too. And, and it shouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility to persuade sensible leaders in all the nations to do this. It may not happen that way. It may, have, it may come to a referendum. We win the referendum and then um, it might be a more confrontational renegotiation of the, re of the relationship. But let's hope not. You know, let's hope. Let's hope that people have had enough. I, I, my feeling is certainly on doorsteps and around is that the toxic nature of politics in the UK and the confrontational nature of it, the lies, the misinformation. My impression is that 
the vast majority are fed up to the back teeth with it. Yeah, I feel that, man, definitely. I feel like everyone has just been rinsed and screwed so fucking hard now, for especially the last 13 years, that even the middle classes... <laughs> getting angry and pissed off you know what i mean so i just think they've pushed us all too hard and i think that kind of leads to another reason for welsh independence because it brings the mechanics of power and the machinery of power closer to home doesn't it and i'm a big advocate for for bringing democracy closer to the people that are affected by it like if we want to protest something you know we've got to go to london and do it in westminster well how many people are really going to do that on a regular basis not many but if it was in cardiff say you know then we can we can make as much noise as we want as regularly as we as we want you know and and that is part of the participatory nature of a true democracy isn't it not not a democracy that is absolutely 300 miles away you know what i mean yeah and it gets people re-engaged, doesn't it? Because we are very disengaged from politics now. I'm going to tell you another story about Iceland, a different Icelandic friend to my friend Helgi the Hunting Hound. Um, it, and I didn't believe this story when I first heard it. This is a, must be 25 years ago. And he was telling me, um, he was a good friend of my father's, and he was telling me about how he'd had a pothole on the road outside his house for a year and a half. And it was annoying the hell out of him after a year and a half because he was driving through it every day and he was battering his car, you know, and... and and he's saying so. And he, and he said to me, I, I picked up the phone and I called the minister. And I went, No, you didn't, Oli. You did not call the minister. You didn't just pick up the phone and call the minister. And he went, Yes, I did. The secretary was on a day off. And I was like, What are you talking about? And it transpires he was telling the truth because there's 380,000 people in. But he picked up the phone and he got through to the minister and he had a, you know, just pulled him out for 20 minutes, pulled her out, I think, for 20 minutes. Um, and the pothole is fixed. Now, I'm not saying that Wales is going to have that level of direct democracy because we are still three million people. But the point of having your politicians being accessible and having networks and structures which allow you to contribute actively in positive ways to the debate and the discussion and the decisions is a massive one, especially today. You know, it's so easy to have citizen democracy in a, in a world where we've got kind of technological advancements that we've had. You know, and, and, and another another interesting example actually is that they decided after I, they they became independent in 1944, and they pretty much just adopted a constitution that was already written and adjusted a little bit and eased it with the idea of writing their own constitution when they found the time. Anyway, they're finally getting around to doing that now. <laughs> no rush. Once you're independent, obviously there's no rush. Um, <laughs> And in doing that, they have uh, brought together citizen assemblies from across the whole of Iceland. Those citizen assemblies across the whole of Iceland are feeding into that national debate about the constitution. So that new constitution, everybody, everybody in Iceland will have ownership of that new constitution. And that would be a lovely thing in a newly independent Wales, so that everybody has a voice in the new constitution of the new nation. 100%. 100%. Oh, yeah, that'd be incredible. I mean, like the fact that we don't have a constitution is absolutely mental, isn't it? You know, in a modern democracy, you know what I mean? So to, to give us that ability to start fresh and to, to redesign our economy and our society in the modern era that we're in with everything that we know now and everything that we can learn from our neighbours around the world, I think would be incredibly powerful. Oh, absolutely. And it's such, it's such an opportunity because, you know, industrial age has come to an end. It is starting the 21st century. We, you know, we're just at the start of that. You know, all this, all the talk about artificial intelligence and the impact it's going to have. Uh, the fact that you and I are now here, we are on, on Zoom. You know, recording a podcast. You know, the advent of podcasts, the the, the 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 way the media has changed. All of that. We're right at the start of that process. 
So there's masses and masses of opportunities. And in, in, in a way, as a brand new independent nation, there are lots of advantages to be gained from that because you've almost got a clean slate, haven't you? You, you can do so much and you can change so much so quickly. Uh, and, and, you know, that can be um, a spark for cultural change and, and renewal and revitalization. It can be a spark for that brand new political engagement we were talking about. Because all of a sudden, we're not just winning on the rugby field or winning on the football field or winning gold medals in the Olympics, which we do in Wales. I mean, we're tiny, but we win gold medals. Phenomenal. And and, and in the Olympics, the Olympics, like I love the Olympics. It's one of the things that, um, one of the symbols of independence, the Welsh dragon will be marched out there with the Welsh team marching behind it. And when we win those gold medals, it'll be the Welsh dragon that goes up and the Welsh national anthem that'll be played. You know, how much of a difference does that make to your confidence as a nation? And that will, that will, that, that will filter through every aspect of life in Wales. It'll be transformative for Wales, honestly. It really will. Love it. Love it. Well, you've got me fired up, bro. I'm ready to go, man. Where do we start? Let's do this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that like anybody, if any Welsh people listening to this are going to feel very much the same as well. So I hope we've made a few converts during this conversation. And if that's the case, uh, what can people do to get involved? How do people support this, this, uh, this noble and urgent cause that is going to be so beneficial for all of us? What can they do? So join Yes Cymru is, is one fantastic way of doing it. I mean, we've got thousands of members but if we have more members that gives us a louder voice um, everywhere and having a louder voice means that more people are listening and if more people are listening more people are thinking about independence and if more people are thinking about independence then i absolutely guarantee that more people will be coming across to the cause of independence because the more you think about it the more obvious it becomes that it's the way forward for wales and and indeed for scotland although it, it is different in scotland so that's the first thing. And then if, if you have the energy, you can sign up to volunteer. You can join your local Yes Cymru group. Uh, you can go along to their meetings. Each Yes Cymru group, we're a very much a grassroots organization. So they their own thing in support of independence. So the one in Brofestinyog, for instance, has an event this Friday. They, they have music and discussion events in, in a place called Caban. Um, uh, a lot of the ones in, in the South, in South Wales like to go out on a, on a Saturday or Sunday and, uh, count the beeps with their banners on the bridges. We've got banners on beaches as well. So, you know, th- those are great fun. And that's a great way of meeting other like-minded volunteers and dipping your foot into the volunteering. And it allows you to strengthen your knowledge of the arguments for independence before you start having those conversations. So so that's what I would say to people. Join join Yes Cymru. Um, read about independence. Read nation.cymru. There's a lot of good stuff on that. I'm only saying this because I write so many op-eds. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so there's all, all of that. And then slowly, you'll find yourself becoming more comfortable talking about independence, more and more comfortable being a volunteer. And, and then that will in itself just draw you slowly into doing more and more. Uh, and our goal is that um, we're, we're slowly making progress. We're growing that network of grassroots organizations. So that if at some point there is, let's say, a referendum campaign, or we do need to be out there, we have a network of volunteers throughout the whole of Wales who have built up their confidence and who are ready to go, ready to get out there and ready to talk to people, ready to make the case that we can really make sure that we don't just become an independent nation, 1% of us in favor of independence, but because there's 60% of us in favor of independence and another 20% who are quite open to independence 
And when it happens, we'll be on board. So that we really start our, our new history, new history as an independent nation, on a positive footing with everybody on board and really wanting it to succeed. And then it will succeed. There's absolutely no way. You cannot stop that kind of people power. Love it. Love it. Yeah, love it, man. I mean, like, it sounds as if we're on that trajectory already. Like you say, you know, the way things are heading, we're forecast for 60%, you know, before long. So I suppose the, the priority right now for everybody listening to this is to amplify, yeah. you know, um, educate yourself, clue up on the issues, uh, spread the word, talk about it, amplify it on social media, which is very powerful, amplify it in the pub, yeah. you know, like yeah. normalize the issue and, and let people know that this is possible and that this, this is essential for the, um, for the health and well-being and prosperity of the country that we live in um so if they want to get involved directly on social media yes cumry on everything at in, uh, on instagram twitter and facebook at yes cumry and the website is yes.cumry as well uh, there's loads of information and links where you can get involved directly on there as well please share the posts that the guys put out on twitter and instagram and facebook and um yeah i think just normalizing the issue like that that speed up that trajectory now Absolutely. towards 60 percent or more and work on the belligerent bastards in your age group in the 50s who are not yet on board you know i'm sure we could do that get them on board and i think we're on to a winner absolutely it's conversations isn't it conversations talk about it talk about it talk about it talk about it because the arguments are so much more in favor they're just so they are so strong in favor of independence relative to those in favor of the status quo which doesn't work just broken Amen, man. No, you've totally got me signed up, dude. And I think anyone listening to this can just see that this is the most sensible, common sense and rational and logical and best thing for the people of Wales. And it's exciting too, man. I mean, it who is. wouldn't want to be a part of this historic new independence? You know, we've been able to forge our own constitution and our own future and our own way of life and our own democracy. That's exciting. Who doesn't want to be a part of that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it is an exciting piece of this. That's one of the things we, 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 we didn't mention earlier. You know, how many people will come back to an independent way to want to be part of that history? We just don't know, do we? But I imagine there'll be quite a lot of people who think, oh, I'm going to go home. I want to be a part of building this new nation. And, and, you know, and attitudes will change throughout. You know, that sort of head down, everybody being a little bit downtrodden, that'll be out the window. Because, you know, you've got a new, brighter future, which is in your hands. I think that's the difference, isn't it? You've got agency. It is my, it's my future to write. It's our future to write. Not someone else telling us what we're going to do. Down to us now. We can do it. It's a little bit Barack Obama. Yes, we can. But we can. You know, that's the thing. Um, I, I, I wrote something um, for, for a nation. Uh, the the Indie ABC. Ambition, bravery, confidence. That's what we need. Love it. What a beautiful way to round up. Grant, I love that conversation. Thank you so much, man, for giving us your time and coming on to speak with me today. Uh, it's been a fascinating, really exciting conversation. And I think the case is clear. This is going to happen. So let's just get on with it. <laughs> Grant, thanks so much for everything you're doing to advance the cause and for it. taking time out to speak with us today. I wish you nothing but the best. Best wishes with everything ahead. And I shall see you when we're celebrating the new republic. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, Grant. Thank you. Thank you, bro. See you soon. Cheers. Ta-da. Ta-da. There you go. Put it together for him, guys. Mr. Gwern Gwynville from Yes Cymru. What do you say? What are you thinking? Are you converted? I'd love to know what my uh, my fellow country folk think of that. And I'd love to know what people outside think of that as well, from other countries, especially in England. What do you think about that? Um, leave us your thoughts. Send us a comment. Send us a message. Get involved in a conversation. You know, that's what this is all about. 
And if you want to get more involved in Yes Cymru, it's simple. You can just go to yes.cymru.com. You can also check out all their socials, which is Yes Cymru on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That is spelled C-Y-M-R-U. Nice and simple. I'm down for it, man. It makes a lot of sense to me. That, that, I mean, no disrespect to my English brothers and sisters and my neighbors and my friends there. I love you all to bits. You know that. I'm sure all of you would support us feeling the way that we feel over here in Wales, given our history and the way that, uh, you know, the, the relationship has developed over the past few hundred years. It's not entirely been <laughs> mostly in our favor, is it? You know what I mean? So we still love you. We still want to be best pals. We still want to be good neighbors, but we kind of just want to do our own thing now. You know what I mean? I I think Wern laid out the case beautifully there. makes a lot of sense for everybody, I think. You know, the time is now. If you're listening to this and you want to get involved and support the cause for Welsh independence, get involved with Yes Cymru, join their pages, share their content exactly like we were just saying, amplify the issue, talk about it, normalize the issue. If If you've got friends or family who are on the fence or completely in the dark about it, you know, Speak to them, talk to them about why this is important. And then, you know, let's build up the volume on the streets and the support for this so that when the day comes, when the decision is to be made, it's, it's a done deal. And we can speed the process up and begin that really, really exciting historic moment of building our new nation in this modern age. I hope I'm there to see it. Chances are I won't be, but I'll be there in spirit. Welsh independence, guys. Let's get it going. I hope you enjoyed the conversation, even if you're not converted or if you disagree, even that's totally cool. I hope you found it like an interesting conversation with some good food for thought. And uh, as always, you know, like I say, leave your comments, leave your ratings, your reviews and share your thoughts as well. If you want to support the episode and support the podcast, please do share this episode, especially if you think it'd be a useful resource for someone who is on the fence about this issue. And as always, if you want to support the podcast, please do subscribe, follow, review, share, comment, all that good stuff. Leave me a, leave me a star rating. All that stuff, as ridiculous and as stupid as it sounds, actually makes a massive difference. As we are living in the age now governed by robots and algorithms which determine your life and death as a human, let alone as a creator. So click those buttons and you'll be really doing me a solid. Thanks, guys. As I mentioned in the intro, I will probably be plowing myself face first back into the rest of the book now as I'm on the downhill stretch with the last few chapters. So I can't guarantee that there'll be another episode next week, or there may be, or there may be two. Who knows? That's just the way I'm rolling with it at the moment. I'm doing it very much of the seat of my pants as and when, you know, I want to. Which is another reason why you should subscribe so you'd never miss an episode when I decide to spontaneously and randomly release an episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. Do keep an eye on the James Kennedy and the Underdogs live page because we're hoping to play everywhere, man. And we want to see each and every single gorgeous one of you. Stay in touch. I'll see you next time. As always, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and I'll see you next time.